Well, hello and welcome to Movies on the Side. This is Stephen Robles. And this is Nate Baranowski. And this week, we watched the 2006 Ben Stiller movie, Night at the Museum, the first of a trilogy, which I've seen all three of them now. We talk about the scene where Ben Stiller slaps a monkey, and the <laughs> monkey slaps him back. Nate compares Ben Stiller's run to Tom Cruise. Is Ben Stiller the right actor for the job? We talk about all the huge actors in this movie, like Dick Van Dyke, Ricky Gervais, and Robin Williams. How does the magic in this museum actually work? And can a wax figure become a real boy? All this and more on Movies on the Side. This week, we watched the 2006 movie starring Ben Stiller, Night at the Museum. Nate, I don't know if you knew this, but it's the first of a trilogy. I definitely <laughs> did not know this. And I keep thinking to myself, is it Night of the Museum? Night at the Night's Museum? Night, at. Night, Night through at. in the museum? No, it's no. at. Night at the Museum. Does, Stephen, right here, before we even talk about Rotten Tomatoes rating. Yep. That title feels a little bit like a stand-in title. Like, we'll come up with something later. Like Larry's Museum Adventure or something. It's a brand now, man. It's a whole trilogy. It really is. So this movie's Rotten Tomatoes. Care to wager? Critic score? I don't have my finger on the pulse of this, but I'm going to guess that critic score is 40. Ooh, that's really close. 43. 43 critic score. I got audience score on the nose here. You ready for this? Yeah, go ahead. Audience score, 82. Wow. <laughs> you overshot that one. 67 audience satisfaction. Oh, okay. So I had obviously seen this movie before at some point. And this came out in 2006. Same. But I'd forgotten most of it. It definitely was coming back as I was watching it, but, but totally forgot it. But t- talk to me, Ben Stiller. This movie stars Ben Stiller. Now, I have mixed feelings about Ben Stiller. Because he's probably most known for like the Meet the Parents series, mm-hmm. which I've seen a couple of those, and they're pretty funny. I've seen Zoolander, not typically my kind of humor, but that's out there. I would say the one movie where I was like, I like Ben Stiller, was The Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Did you ever see that? Uh, no. Okay. It's like a serious one. Okay. And that one, it's actually... Yeah, relates to what we talked about in the bonus episode this week about existential crisis and what's important in life. But it's actually really good. But Ben Stiller, I just have mixed emotions about him. And not remembering much of this movie and mixed emotions about Ben Stiller, I was like, I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. But let me tell you, watching it with kids and putting some of the weird humor behind you, I actually was able to enjoy this movie, Nate. Mm-hmm. I, I was able to enjoy it. Okay, let's talk about Ben Stiller here for a second. Yes. I enjoy Ben Stiller, I think, the most in the villain role of a movie. So he was the bad guy in Dodgeball. Did you ever oh. see Dodgeball? <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> yes, I thought he was great in there. He was also the bad guy, this is a throwback, in Heavyweights. Hmm. I don't know if you ever saw that, like the bad camp counselor. This was, like I think, in pretty early Ben Stiller. Yeah, I haven't seen that. In the Ben Stiller v. Adam Sandler. Uh, I am team Ben Stiller. My father-in-law was actually watching this with us, too. He said Ben Stiller reminded him of that golf guy. And I was like, that what golf guy? He was talking about Happy Gilmore. Oh, Adam Sandler. Yeah. Yes, for the most part, I agree. I would rather watch Ben Stiller in a movie. And I enjoy Meet the Parents. I think, like, 
I even enjoy, which is not a great movie, Along Came Polly, which has a bunch of gross parts to it, but I'm also down for that. I know that things have been kind of up and down for me lately, and and that's been hard for you, but I really feel like my moment's coming, and when it does, everything's just going to come together. Here are the other actors that were offered the role of Larry Daly in this movie. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready? Yeah. Give me a one to ten how well you think they would fit into this movie. Are you ready? Okay, yeah. Tom Cruise. That would be like a three or four. Kurt Russell. (laughs) One or two. Robert Downey Jr. Uh, After the Doolittle fiasco, (laughs) I would say a little higher, maybe a five. Steve Buscemi. Ugh. Zero. (laughs) Hayden Christensen. Well, zero again. (laughs) Martin Short. Mm, Maybe five. That's the list. Okay. But let me tell you something. I have an opinion about this movie. Okay. And that is, Paul Rudd is in this movie as Don? He's in it for like two seconds. Ron? He's in it so short. Yeah. I think that Paul Rudd as the main character (sighs) would be more enjoyable for me and Ben Stiller, like, if they switched places in this movie, yeah, I think I really want Paul Rudd in it instead. Now, Ben Stiller did great with what he had. Right. Ben, like, I enjoy Ben Stiller. It's not anti-Ben Stiller, but I'm very pro, I think, Paul Rudd's flavor yeah. and vibe just fits it a little bit better as a down-on-your-luck uh, divorced dad trying to impress his son. Yeah, I could be with that. I mean, he's more at the height of his powers now than he was in 2006. Sure. So I think, like, Paul Rudd of today, definitely. Right. Ant-Man Paul Rudd. Yes, exactly. But this movie has so many... Big names in it. Dick Van Dyke. It has Mickey Rooney. Totally forgotten that Ricky Gervais was in this movie. I even forgot that Robin Williams was in this movie. Owen Wilson's in here. Owen Wilson, that's right. Which, by the way, Owen Wilson's role at the beginning was just supposed to be a cameo, but he tested so well in testing audiences, they included him more in the movie. See, of all the characters, I I was a little eh about Owen Wilson's character. Blondie. Name's Jedediah. All right, Jedediah, stop the train, please. It's a big no-can-do, Cracker Jack. But don't Owen Wilson and I don't forgot the guy's name who plays the Roman guy. Aren't they more prominently featured in the sequels? Somewhat. Somewhat. And we'll talk about the sequels after the spoiler horn. Later, later. Robin Williams. I don't know. I liked him in this movie, too. I feel like he he brought a certain amount of gravitas and, like, especially playing a character of Teddy Roosevelt. I just, I liked seeing him in it. I've read later because I've then proceeded to watch all three in the trilogy of Night at the Museums. So I've seen them all three in the last few days. The last Night at the Museum was made in like 2015 or 2017. And it was like one of Robin Williams' last movies. So seeing him in this one and watching him in all three movies, it's it's a little bit of a, you know, heartstring thing. Sure. Knowing like this, this was kind of one of his last big projects. So, but I liked him in this first one. I thought he was... At the same time, like funny, meaningful. They did like plant a lot of lines in Robin Williams that like were supposed to be really deep. And I'd say about 60% of them hit. Sure. But there were a couple that I was like, all right, you just shoved that in there. Kind of some Teddy Roosevelt quote tweaks. They get like, oh, I get it. It's a Teddy Roosevelt quote. But I liked seeing him in there. I thought it was good. Nothing's impossible. If it could be dreamed, it could be done. Hence the 20-foot jackal staring at you right now. Don't make eye contact. Steven, before we get to rating this movie, I really need to know, is this a funny movie? 
Let's go to Comedy Corner right now, Stephen. <laughs> is Night at the Museum funny? There were a couple lines that I legitimately laughed at. Usually there were ones that the kids did not laugh at. But watching it with kids, they laughed hysterically at some of the most outrageous parts that I didn't care for. <laughs> such as, like you have a note, uh, the monkey and Ben Stiller slapping each other. I hated that. Yeah. I hated it so much. <laughs> I kind of did too, and it was like super long. I felt like it went on for five minutes. They were hysterical at that point. And I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> Attila the Hun and Ben Stiller like yelling at each other in gibberish. I was like, yeah, again, this feels like they're doing it for five whole minutes. But the kids thought it was hilarious. I don't know. I mean, I guess it is funny enough to at least make all age groups laugh at least once if you if that would mean it's a funny movie overall or not i don't know i did chuckle at a couple lines did you not i remember thinking them for it was more funny back when i watched it the first time oh yeah i didn't have a whole lot of memories of it but i remember thinking like oh this has some pretty funny parts i found it not as funny now yeah for me as an adult i did not like the monkey and Ben Stiller slapping each other. Did not find that funny. No. Yeah, the Attila the Hun stuff, it has a few moments. For example, like I liked when he, after he hugs Attila the Hun, and then he points to that guy behind him, like, oh, yeah, you're yeah, next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This that was funny. Therapy session. Yeah. Oh, that was pretty good. The big stone heads calling him dumb, dumb. Like, yeah. Was, I, I think everything went over the top a little bit more and dragged on as if you just like keep it rolling a little bit. Riff, riff, riff. Right. And those moments, for example, there is a, a part where Ben Stiller, which I assume is all improv, is talking to Dexter after he like didn't steal his keys. He like set him up for a trap. Oh, yeah. yeah. Ben Stiller says, Pull the fast one on little Dexy. Those are baby keys for little baby. So have fun playing with your baby keys, little baby monkey. Ben Stiller in that role is just his lane. It's sort of like Adam Sandler doing his... <laughs> I can't do an Adam Sandler. That's a great Adam Sandler. Yeah. That, that is Adam Sandler. Or Jack Black going... I can do a Jack Black They all have their like... Yes. Those are my impressions of all these actors. That's good. One part I thought was genuinely funny, though, was Ricky Gervais, the museum director, how he would never finish a line. I cannot tolerate this type of chaos. I mean, this is a museum, not a... I thought that was a fun decision, but there was also, like, those Ricky Gervais lines also got a little, like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I did a lot of long exhale... Okay. Yeah. I'm ready. Like, carry on. If all the bits were just made 30% shorter, it, they probably would have been funnier. Right. But then again, I think this is really funny for a kid. And apparently it was. This is kid funny. Yeah. And they're like, my kids were the ones that wanted to keep watching the trilogy. So we kept going. There you go. All right. Well, maybe we should rate. Let's rate this movie and then talk about some of the spoilery things. Let's do it. Let us rate it on a scale of zero to five flashlights. Mm. Because. If you were to see the rest of the trilogy, which you probably never will, the flashlight becomes his like weapon of choice <laughs> in, in a lot of situations. So, yeah, he's a night guard, and uh, that's his weapon. So, zero to five flashlights. I'm going to give Night at the Museum two and a half flashlights. Mm-hmm. Now, let me tell you something. This has the opposite problem of 
Footloose, which we reviewed last week. Mm -hmm. And here's why. The concept of Night at the Museum, of these exhibits coming to life at night, is brilliant. Right. It is so fun. It is so great. It is Toy Story. It is Indian in the Cupboard. It is all of these like magical things. It is small soldiers, all of it. That concept of in and of itself, I understand why you can get three movies into it because you can bring up any historical character. You can make them funny. You can bring animals to life, Jumanji style, which whenever I see stampeding CG animals plus Robin Williams in a scene, I get Jumanji flashbacks. <laughs> right. The concept is so fun. The delivery of it is mediocre. Yeah. The concept is enough to like keep me going. I love the concept of like this tablet bringing everyone to life and all of these fun like tiny people and these dioramas. Like it's all very good. Mm-hmm. A big mm-hmm. di- like you get an animated T-Rex dinosaur bones come to life. It's like that is that in and of itself is entertaining enough. You don't need much around it. And it actually held up that CG, I feel yeah. like. Well, Yes, the T-Rex held up. The T-Rex. I still think there were some animals in there that I went, ooh. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so that is so good. I'm not sure if Ben Stiller's right for this role. I'm still thinking in my mind, like, could I just see it with Paul Rudd? So overall, pretty fun, but filled in with mathing. What about Will Smith in this role? I would take Will Smith in this role, (laughs) yes. Absolutely, yes, I would. I feel like that'd be really good. I mean, I'm glad it's not, for example, Kevin James, which I feel like at this this time in uh, 2006, yeah. Paul Blart, Mall Cop sort of thing, I'm worried that it was going to be, or the zookeeper. I think he did a lot of roles just like this. That is true. I'm glad it's Ben Stiller instead of Kevin, Kevin James, for example. But I'm also pro Dick Van Dyke. We'll talk about all this in the spo- yeah, after yeah. the spoiler horn. What is your rating? I'm going to give this movie a three. I enjoyed it more than I thought. Like when we started it, I was like, oh, like I think I remember enough of this to know I don't want to see it again. But by the end, I was like, okay. And seeing my kids react to it, they really enjoyed it. And if it was available on a streaming service for free, I would more recommend seeing it. Yeah, renting, it's tough. You have to rent. Now you can buy the trilogy for $20 if you want. <laughs> or you can rent each one for three and save 11 bucks. Yeah, there's a lot of ways you can uh, slice this elephant. But... I'll give it a three. Like, I, I chuckled a couple times. You know, I genuinely enjoyed seeing Robin Williams in that role for the most part. Family friendliness, I think it's pretty safe. There's a lot of slapping. So if your kid struggles with slapping, maybe not. But <laughs> but overall, I mean, it, it was pretty clean. So I'll give it a three. Three flashlights. All right. Here's the spoiler horn. All right, what is your note here on the Tom Cruise run? I don't understand what that is. I've done a little bit of research. By the way, this is a Sean Levy film. So I need to... I guess this isn't a spoiler (laughs) at all. (laughs) But interesting uh, career of Sean Levy. Only has directed 12 movies, Hmm. um, including these, but produced a lot of movies like Arrival, Stranger Things. What? If you want to take uh, some time afterwards and just kind of look at what Sean Levy's been involved in. It's a very interesting set of movies and TV shows and things. That is interesting. But yeah. Anyway, let me tell you about the Tom Cruise run. Yeah. I put that in the notes because Ben Stiller said that he tried to model his run after his friend Tom Cruise. Are they actually friends or did he just say that? I 
loved it. Oh, his run? There is something. Like, his lo- run, he looks like he's moving fast through this museum at times. Yeah, he does. And he's pumping his arms in the Tom Cruise-like fashion. And I tell you what, it plays well on film. Yeah, it does. When he's running away from the T-Rex, it does look like a Tom Cruise run. Yeah. I'll give you that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he, he gets those hands up almost to the face when yeah. he pumps forward. All right. So, Romance Corner. So first of all, the Robin Williams Sacagawea romance corner. I don't know if you can call it that. They do have the one scene in the snow when Robin Williams is cut in half. And she's putting him back together. melting wax on him. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was fine. Yeah. I mean, it was was fun. A lot of, for example, rom-coms have these little side romances that are just meant to be like they look at each other across the room, but they never talk. Right. But it is a sign that a character gets... A boost of boldness because they can finally talk to the person they've been crushing on mm. for so long. Yeah, that's I good. think that's what it's meant to show. And it was fine. That was fine. But the the real romance corner is between Ben Stiller and Carla Gugino, I guess is her name. But she plays Rebecca, the museum tour guide lady. Mm-hmm. Yes. So I believe the relationship-ish, uh, you know, they're working together. She's staying in the museum late and he tells her like, oh, it's time to go. We get to the point where he tries to tell her that the museum comes to life. Yes. And he does honestly sound like a crazy person in that scene. And he prefaces it with, yes, I will sound out of control. He really tried to preface it with all the footnotes. Her reaction, I kind of believed it, but then I was also like, I don't know. I feel like that scene could have gone differently. I will step outside of the movie for a second and say, Stephen, if I was in his role, (laughs) I would never tell anyone it. I would only show them. Absolutely. He could say like, listen, why don't you come by at like 9 p.m. or whatever after sunset and I'll show you this little secret behind the scenes tour that you don't know as a docent. There are really cool things after hours. Maybe I would even lie and say it's like oh, the lighting's really cool or whatever on this stuff. Right, right. And then there's the the payoff scene where I don't know if Ben Stiller calls her so she's timed perfectly to be in a taxi as the T-Rex walks by or if she just I don't remember if she just well he doesn't in the movie but I'm like I don't know if she's there on purpose or if she just happens to be in a taxi cab at three in the morning seeing these things walk by but anyway she sees them comes into the museum and like totally is in awe and like takes it all really well takes i think it, everyone does right <laughs> everyone takes it really well and that was unbelievable like ben stiller introduces her to sacagawea who she's writing a phd paper on apparently mm-hmm. and she just seemed it was just weird reactions and like oh yeah let's talk you know you rock i am a big fan <laughs> what would you like to know I kind of like I kind of like that. I sort of like that she gets to meet the person she's so interested in. I liked it, but then there's also this premise that yes, these are yes. not the actual people. Yes. They're only wax figures. Because Robin Williams at one point says, like, I'm not Teddy Roosevelt. Like, I'm a wax figure of him. I never did any of those things. Teddy Roosevelt did. I was made in a mannequin factory in Poughkeepsie. Right, which, which doesn't that mean that this Sacagawea knows... Nothing. No more than <laughs> the what's written on her plaque. Right. Like it, se- it seems like the wax figures that come to life only know what they hear people saying about them or have learned in the museum. I don't know. 
So anyway, I, I was just thinking like it feels a little inconsistent in this payoff. She's like, I'm gonna ask you all these questions. I'm like, Sakajoy doesn't know nothing. She's been behind a glass case and she literally can't hear anyone outside of it. So do these people know they think they are the people or they know for example, Rami Malik, who takes his film debut as the Pharaoh in this movie before going on to much bigger things. Oh, I didn't know it. He goes like I am I mean, I guess he has a point. He actually is the mummy. Right. That's and a not good, wax. Yeah. That's a good point. But he's also like, he learned English from the, being in the Cambridge Museum, which I was like, hold on a second. Right. You learned, what? But that's one of those like throwaway lines where you're like, oh, okay. That's an easy justification that yes. it's hard to believe, but yeah, it's okay. That's fun. But do these other people know that they're wax or not? Like, does Attila the Hun know he's wax? In later movies... Oh, yes. Fill me in on the lore. <laughs> the trilogy bears out that some peop- some of these characters don't believe that they're wax figures. J- they believe they are the character. I mean, just cut an arm off. That'll teach him. Right. Well, so in the third and final movie, <laughs> Matthew Crawley is actually in the third movie. Oh, yeah. He plays Lancelot, right? He plays Lancelot. This is, we're after the spoiler home, so we're, this is spoilers for all three movies. <laughs> this Christopher Nolan-esque... <laughs> trilogy he's the bad guy in the third movie and he is under the belief that he is actually lancelot and Mm -hmm. some characters except the fact some don't you know the cavemen probably don't realize they're wax you know just intelligence wise so it it depends uh the character but anyway we didn't finish romance corner did we no so all all that being said the relationship between rebecca and larry daly ben stiller's character it felt a little I don't know if I believed it. Oh, and then she disappears for the other two movies. Okay, that was just going to be my next guess was, I don't think it's a romance that can last through a trilogy. No, she's gone. She doesn't appear in any other movie. (laughs) I think she is... They don't try to make it more of a romance. And I appreciate that. Like, Yeah, yeah. It's more of like... I like when movies end up with like, we're probably going to go on a date after this. Yeah. But like, no... No rush. For example, I find it very strange and weird that Nicolas Cage in National Treasure ends up marrying that one yeah. museum docent lady. Helen of Troy. Helen of Troy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That is another relationship that I feel like should just end with like, let's go on a date, see how this works. Yeah. Spoiler alert for National Treasure 2 Book of Secrets. I think they are divorced. So mm, right. they didn't make it. Right. Now, speaking of what characters know or don't know, the... Museum director Ricky Gervais's character at the end of the movie. I do like the scene where all these news clips are showing, yes, you know, all this stuff like cave drawings in the subway and T Rex tracks in the snow. And he asks Ben Stiller, any explanation? No. And then he basically fires him. But then they walk out in the museum and there's like hundreds of people, right? You know, more people visiting the museum than ever before. And he gives them back the, the flashlight and key ring. So their relationship across the three movies is actually kind of fun. Ricky Gervais and Ben Stiller. Now, something I looked into outside of this movie during my research my extensive research Mm -hmm. it is left pretty open and it's kind of a wink and a nod that ricky gervais knows they come to life because he does not question why how these things happen he's like for example the whole you know you would if you saw tracks in the snow of your t-rex whatever there would be more like hold on a second this is not just you being a bad night guard this is you like he knows it comes to life but that was only for the first movie. For the sequels, I've been told through my research that it is though he does not believe in the magic. So in the second movie, 
the inciting incident is the that, dark night at the museum. Right, <laughs> right. They are shipping all the wax figures away into storage because they're installing like holograms. Mm-hmm. Do you care if I spoil the, the second movie? No, not at all. So Ricky Gervais is like, yeah, this is where the museum's going. It's all holograms and virtual reality. So they ship it all off. End of the movie, Ben Stiller gets him back to the museum. And basically all the characters that come to life, they have the museum open at night. And so Robin Williams and Attila the Hun and even the T-Rex, like they all just get to be alive. And there's people there. And it's assumed that Ricky Gervais just believes it's the technology about the virtual reality or oh, wow. uh, animatronics. And so that's how the second movie ends. And then what happens in The Dark Knight at the Museum Rises in the third movie? <laughs> in that one, there's a problem with the tablet. And they're like losing their ability to come alive at night. And so Ben Stiller has to convince Ricky Gervais to let him take the figures to England for a variety of reasons, which Rebel Wilson is over there. She's kind of funny. But anyway, uh, in that movie, Ben Stiller's like, you know there's something funny going on here at night. Like, you know it's not just animatronics. And Ricky Gervais says like, all right, you could take them. So he never explicitly says, okay. I believe you, but it's alluded to the fact that, okay, like he has come to the understanding. Got it. That something weird goes on at night. <laughs> so I liked the Ricky Gervais and Ben Stiller interactions overall. I'll just say that. I was less crazy about Dick Van Dyke, Mickey Rooney, and Bill Cobbs as the antagonists in this movie. I didn't mind them. They were okay at the beginning. I just didn't like them at the end with the whole crazy fight scene. A few years into the job, the three of us realized that like everything else in this museum, we got new life at night. It's an enjoyable premise that like they too were kind of brought back to life. They're like young and spry. But that doesn't mean they can be like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and do like jump Right. Kicks. Dick Van Dyke has such a creepy smile. Yeah, he really Especially does. throughout this movie. Yeah. That makes me like, I really like him as sort of the bad guy there. Yes. The concept behind the museum coming to life is really cool. The concept of them trying to steal the tablet and frame it on him and do they like him, do they not like him at all, or are they just kind of selfish old men? That's a little weak for me. I did like Mickey Rooney calling Ben Stiller a different name every time. And the kids thought that was funny too. Snack Shack. Hot dog. Lunchbox. (laughs) That was fun. Anyway, the last character I wanted to touch on, Attila the Hun. Mm -hmm. I kind of liked, I I liked Attila. Uh, It was fine. After they yell gibberish at each other and supposedly can communicate at the end of the movie when they catch Dick Van Dyke, Mm -hmm. Ben Stiller's trying to tell him like, don't rip him limb from limb. Yeah. And they're saying a word like Mickey Laka. And then until the Hun says, like, how about a little bit? <laughs> yeah. And Ben Slow's like, hey, okay. That was pretty good. It has a you ever seen the Paper Brigade no. movie? No. This is an old movie that no one will remember except nineties kids. About <laughs> a kid who takes up a paper route. And the paper route, over time he learns how to deal with all of the craziness that happens on the route. When he starts getting good at his job he has like a specific dog bone for a guy at the end of the street who has a vicious dog and he's able to like put on hockey pads for uh, kids that throw you know eggs at him or something right but basically it has the same concept here in night at the museum where ben stiller eventually becomes good at his job Mm -hmm. or like learns how to do it right thinks through it that concept is very fun to me Seeing someone deal with weird things happening and like making a plan, kind of Home Alone style. 
And I like the instructions that Dick Van Dyke leaves him where it's like, yes. step one, throw the bone. And how it's totally out of context, but only once things start happening does it make sense. Dick Van Dyke also can still move. Did you see the extra credits scene of him dancing? Him dancing, we, like, we were all still watching it and I was like, wow, he's got some good moves. In the scene where they become young and spry yeah, and they start running up the stairs, Dick Van Dyke is the only one who's actually doing the running. Obviously, Mickey Rooney and uh, Bill Cobbs, like, they're not running. These actors oh. aren't running upstairs, so they use body doubles for them. But Dick Van Dyke can still just like bound upstairs. Kudos to Dick Van Dyke. I want to be. I want to be like Dick Van Dyke when I'm yeah, older. That's pretty good. Well, listeners, we hope you enjoyed Night at the Museum. Nick, can I ever convince you to watch the rest of these movies? I'm gonna be honest. I think I would. Amy Adams is in the second movie. I don't want to rent them, Steve. No, I know. This is know. what I'm thinking about. What if they land on your doorstep after having fallen off a truck? If a DVD package <laughs> that says "Watch this, please." <laughs> Will self-destruct. <laughs> will self-destruct. Appears at my door. You'll watch it. I will watch them. I'm just saying, Amy Adams, she's in the second movie. Maybe I have seen the second one because I know that Amy Adams is like Amelia Earhart, right? Yes, yes. So maybe I have seen this. I feel like we've probably seen all three of these and it's just like bits and And just pieces. kept assuming I was watching the, the, the first one? <laughs> yes, it's a trilogy that feels like one movie. But honestly, like as a trilogy... It actually holds together as a trilogy. It's it's semi-impressive. I'll be honest. I The concept is fun enough that I think I would watch okay. more of them. Well, maybe this won't be our last Night at the Museum's Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight trilogies. Dark Knight at the... Anyway. All right. <laughs> listeners, tell us what you thought. You we can try them. to be like me if you want, but... Oh, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm not TikTok famous. <laughs> anyway, listeners, tell us what you thought. Instagram at Movies on the Side and... We actually have a special announcement for our supporter platform. I won't go too long on this, but for those who support us on Patreon, first of all, we love you dearly. Never go away, please. And that will still be going on. You get your bonus episodes there. We love you like Robin Williams' character, Teddy Roosevelt, loves the tablet that brings them all to life. You are our Ahmed Ra tablet. We Like Robin Williams and Sacagawea, we can't touch you because there's an invisible wall separating us, namely the internet. <laughs> but we love you dearly. Keep doing what you're doing. Patreon is, will be running for you guys. But if you choose to support the show now, we actually have a new supporter platform. And it's like you don't even have to sign up for an account. It's one click with Apple Pay. It's pretty sweet. So you can go to show notes and hit support the show there. Or you can go to our Instagram, the link in bio. You can go to Mott's. .fm and you can click support the show. Anyway, it's super easy to sign up. It gives you a one click to subscribe to our bonus episodes and whatever podcast player you would like. It's super easy, super fast, and we would love for someone to do it, one, to support the show, but two, I'd love to make sure it works really well. I've tested it and it, I think it works really well, but we'd like to hear from some of you. So go to mots.fm, the website, and click support the show, or again, you can in your podcast player you're listening to right now. Click the link in the show notes that says support the show and try out our brand new and shiny system there. And today we had a uh, we had a pretty deep bonus episode, existentially deep. Very deep. I'm upset that Nate is now TikTok famous and he didn't bring me along for the ride, but mm-hmm. whatever, no hard feelings. We also hope if you give us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts, give us a little comment. We'd love to give you a shout out on the show. Have a good day and a good night at the museum.
Is that a bad sign off? No, that's great. I'm keeping that in.